Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. There is so much happening right now across levels in the tennis world, of course, for the professionals. All of us have our eyes turned on the action happening at Indian Wells. And, of course, we are offering GSP Ace of the Day selections each and every day here on this podcast. We're recapping each day's play over on the Mini Break podcast feed. You listeners know if you're looking for updates on all of the challengers action happening across the globe. You can listen every Monday on the Great Shot Podcast to Damian Kust and Jakob Brabro break down the latest week's play. Damian's actually going to be joining me on Friday to discuss an article he wrote for our website, CrackRackets.com, listing the players that are the best candidates to become the next Aslan Karatsev, those guys ages 25 to 30 who have yet to break through the top 100, but whether it be their recent results, whether it be their rise over the past couple of seasons, maybe a return from injury. They seem poised to do just that over the next year. All of that, of course, in the minds of all of us tennis fans, but you know here at Crack Rackets, if there is a major college tennis event happening across the country, we are locked into it. That was exactly the case last week as we had the ITA All-American Championships for both the men and the women. The women were over on the clay in uh, South Carolina, and they will be the topic of a separate discussion with one of our newest Crack Rackets contributors early next week. But on today's podcast, we're breaking down the men's results from the ITA All-Americans, offering our biggest takeaways from both the singles and the doubles action. Who are the players that stood out? Who are the teams that stood out? Who are the teams that have to answer some questions before we get our 2022 dual match season started? And joining me on the podcast to do just that, as they always do, Whenever we're talking men's college tennis here on this show, the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity, let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer for our website, CrackRackets.com, the better-looking, better half of the Stokowiak brothers. Of course, I'm talking about my main man, Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot as always. Busy week of tennis. How are you dividing your time? You get enough Indian Wells in? I am, but you know me, Gruskin. I like to go to bed early, right? <laughs> and uh, Indian Wells, unfortunately, on that Pacific time, man, a lot of these matches are taking place too late. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I've been watching a little bit of it, but uh, it was great to get Tulsa in there, all Americans, like we're going to be uh, breaking down here. Really kind of the first 
true taste of college tennis this season i would say so uh all good stuff yeah plenty of funky results across the board and that's actually hilarious that's so true the european swing is right in your ballpark everything done by 4 or 5 p.m you've got a couple hours to catch up on anything you missed and then of course you're in bed tucked in by 10 yeah it's the antithesis of that at indian wells we have matches not even starting before 1 a.m here on the east coast and while that's perfect for a night owl like myself i could imagine i uh, just imagine your frustrations being like nope I'm, I'm sorry i'm not going to be watching uh tommy paul versus andre rublev tonight i'm sorry it's just not gonna happen it sucks man i'll tell you that much because like i really want to watch those matches and i'm like oh 1 a.m start nope i'm out <laughs> i shouldn't be laughing but i can just imagine you doing it and the image of that is absolutely bringing me joy but of course always a pleasure to have you on the show less so of a pleasure to be joined by the third member of our college tennis holy trinity nevertheless we bring him back all the same you of course know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames lover of mothers lover of almond joys the stitch the professor the one shoulder designer and a man with hair i'm gonna say like a young liam draxel it's chris halioris chris hey great shot welcome to the show the sun is no longer out why is the guns out why are is the flow flowing well what's the deal here what are we missing is this a midlife crisis no, oh, man. You know, you know the, the honest to God truth that you, that you're seeing this is, I walked in here, and I had on the hat that I usually have on because it's one of the two most comfortable hats, and I was like, I wore this one last week. I got to take it off, <laughs> so I just went hatless. Uh, you know, so. We appreciate it here on the Zoom. It is beautiful. It is beautiful for a man and for listeners who don't know because, A, I hate Chris's guts, but B, of course, we actually chat all the time off mic. We had a phone conversation earlier this week. I was talking about, you know, taxes came up, dependents came up. I offered Chris my services as a dependent. I'm happy to spend as much of his money as he'd like for tax purposes. But I go, yeah, Chris, you were born what, like 1961, right? And he goes, no it's like i wasn't born in i'm not 53 till next month alex you and i was like oh yeah i I knew that and again it's a beautiful head of hair for a soon-to-be 53 year old oh man thanks 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 so you know (laughs) i i feel like if i was going to come up with the alex gruskin intro like you have for maddie and i i could now officially start with 2021 indie league champion (laughs) right (laughs) Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I'd say he his finest win was a win over Dalton Thienem, and that tells you all he needs to know. Um, and it's like, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's very true. But thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It was it was a uh, it was a good day for me yesterday on the tennis court. I'm sore today. There's no denying that. The blisters are there. The quads aren't quite what they what they once were. I thought I was going to have a heart attack on the court yesterday. I was pushing myself to the brink. I will say win over a former Purdue tennis player who will remain nameless. Don't want to embarrass him, but, you know, again, I played some pretty good ball. Do you want to do 30 minutes on my tennis? I'm happy to do that. Hear your thoughts. Or, or we could talk about the ITA All-American. And with that in mind, let's get into today's show. Of course, we want to run through the singles, the doubles for both of those events. Talk about the players, the teams that stood out. Of course, we should start with the singles final because you know sometimes it's the hot girl summer i think we can all agree from the college tennis perspective it was the summer of ben shelton 
Shelton experienced success in just about every event he plays. He comes away from the summer with an ITF Futures title. He comes away with a Kalamazoo Finals appearance. He comes away now with the ITA All-American Singles Championship as well. Becomes the first Florida Gator in history to win the title. Gets some impressive wins along the way, but in the end earns a 6-3-6-4 win over August Holmgren of San Diego, of course, for Shelton. Worth noting, he's still just 18 years old. He was a young freshman last season and yet jumped in right away contributing to that Florida lineup, whether it be at the number five singles position. And of course, he clinched that uh, NCAA championship against Baylor. Now, if again, I, I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast. I promise you, when we have Brian Shelton on the podcast, I will not ask him what it's like to see his son clinch the national championship. Because if you haven't heard the answer to that question, go check out the My Life series done by Tennis Channel on the Shelton uh, father-son relationship, what they accomplished this past season. Also, he's answered that question about a million times. Maybe we ask him this, Chris. Maybe our question should be, so what's it like to see your son clinch the ITA All-American Singles Championship, because that's got to be special. I'll start with you, Professor. Your thoughts on Shelton. You know, again, another breakthrough result for him. I don't know how they keep him out of the top three. Yeah, well, you know, I, I had this thought today, Alex, and I almost I almost wanted to text both sides just, just to gauge a response. But if I had to draw lineups up, Right now, this very second, I would have a Shelton-Bicknell matchup at three. Ooh, for Tennessee, Florida? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you, you got. I'm with you. I think, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that he shouldn't be above the top three in the Florida lineup, but I think to start the year, you're right. You're going to, I mean, you're going to have probably Riffis and Vale. In, in some order, uh, assuming that they're both there in, in the top two in starting Ben at three. But you absolutely could make the argument to play Ben anywhere you wanted him. He could play one if you want. I mean, you mentioned all, all of the results you that you brought up. And on top of that, left out, right, his his run in U.S. Open qualifying where he mm-hmm. beat, you know, Mo six and six and then had – you know, Van Dezenschel on the ropes and loses like six, four in the third in that match to a guy that makes a big run to the quarterfinals. Yeah. It's yeah. No, it's incredible. And I, you know what else we haven't talked about the doubles success. He won Kalamazoo doubles. Like he was, and it wasn't even close. Yeah. And and it was a, cause I think it was a false positive, right. That ended up keeping him out. Wasn't that the story in the, I don't remember, but it was because of the COVID protocols. He wasn't able to participate in the main draw. You know, the best quote of Kalamazoo was the one he gave to Colette Lewis saying he and his partner were going to the U S open to win the U S open to win the main draw. And it was, like you know technically he never lost uh, he didn't win it but he didn't lose it so you know technically just saying it was a good prediction from Shelton but just to add to you know again what he was able to accomplish first of all the fact that he was unseated that was a faux pas by the ITA that was that was a swing and a miss I, I think what he's accomplished this summer probably should have factored into that and of course that's easy to say in retrospect we may be playing the results a little bit Chris you're the math expert though well, they yeah, they even claim right that one of the criteria in in seeding is UTR. He's the fourth highest UTR in college, and and that's if you include the Florida State kid who's number one. That's not even eligible this year. So <laughs> I'll really say he's the third highest UTR in college. 
behind, you know, number two would be his teammate in Riffis and number one would be the kid from Washington. Uh, but yeah, how you take somebody that's had the summer he's had, the rating that he's got, UTR, I mean, any any criteria you want to look at absolutely should have been seeded. And you look for Ben Shelton, first round victory for him over a guy who's either going to play three or four, probably for Tennessee this season in Martin Prada. Now Prada's still working his way back from injury. He was in a boot when I saw him in September at Tennessee, but four and two win over Shelton. You'll take it. He's up six, three, two love on Daniel Rodriguez. You're defending NCAA singles finalist, number one seed out of South Carolina before Rodriguez fourth to withdraw from that match. Still, Three and two over nine through sixteen seed Ronnie Holman uh, Holman of LSU six and five victory for him over JJ Tracy and believe me we're gonna get to the Buckeyes a little bit later on this show rest assured but that's a good victory for Shelton three and zero oh over Chidek of uh, Washington and then three and four over Holmgren Maddie he didn't drop a set. He did not. He did not drop a set, and he's just continued his role. I mean, it it is very impressive. Now, talking about seedings, guys, I mean, this isn't the first time that we've been talking about some <laughs> questionable decisions uh, there. So I know this isn't really a surprise to us. We all know that. It took so, us two episodes uh, to get there in 2021. Shocker, right? <laughs> shocker. They screwed up the seeds. What else is new? Um, no, but for Shelton, I mean, look, this guy, he's such a big strong athletic kid and and by the way guys i do believe uh gruskin one correction here he did just turn 19 i believe okay. his birthday was a few days ago or even potentially last week i think he just turned 19 now so um no longer 18 but to, you know it's all the same anyway um ben shelton but- first of all this is devastating news especially for chris who was born 50 years before this uh ben shelton october 9th 2002 you're right west a, he won an all, ITA All-American title, but B, as a fellow one of October's very own. Can we get a happy birthday sound effect for Shelton, please? By the way, guys, Ben Shelton going to be joining me on the Cracked Interviews podcast tomorrow in terms of we're recording tomorrow. I'm not sure when that's going to be released, either later this week or early next week. I didn't mean to cut you off, Maddie. You're right. 19 years old, and what he's accomplished here, you know, wins that Champagne Futures title, gets a win over Paul Jubb on his run to doing that. As Chris mentioned, the 3 6 7 5 6 4 Lost to Vanderson Schulp, the six and six win over Michael Moe. I mean, he's a lefty too, so young, so explosive, Maddie. Again, where are you on the lineup take? Does Shelton crack the top three? Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to even talk about it yet. I mean, it's October. <laughs> maybe once we get into our contender series, maybe around December, we'll start Fair. talking about that. I don't know for sure. For I know for a fact he's not going to be top two. I, I would put him at three at the highest, um, and, and we'll have to see what happens there. But no, I mean, he's only going to get better. That's the thing. I, I think there's still room for growth in his game. His serve is such a weapon. That big lefty serve is, is really wicked. Um, and, and he's in the form like, like we have to remember guys this all-american tournament is always you know there's guys that aren't they're coming back off of injuries or off the summer where they haven't played as much chris rattled off and and you guys talked about everything that shelton's done over the summer he's feeling it right now i mean he is playing at such a high level some of these other guys that were in the tournament are still working their way back and they're kind of using this fall period to kind of get geared up for the spring. So, you know, he doesn't drop a set. 
again, the competition's only going to get tougher, I think. Mm-hmm. Here are the past five. Well, just listen to the company he joins, though. 2019 champion, you got Ito of Texas. Ito was number one in the country to start the season, was exceptional coming back for a Texas team coming off of a national championship title. 2018 champion, J.J. Wolf. J.J. Wolf loses twice during the 2019 dual match season. From there, obviously, has catapulted into the top 200 of the ATP rankings. 2017, that was the year of Will Blumberg. And, of course, in the winter of 2017, that was his first dual match season. He loses two total matches, makes the NCAA final, comes back the next year, wins the All-American Championship. 2016, it was Petros Risokos. 2015, it was Ty Kwiatkowski. Now, the outlier, shout-out to you, Sebastian. Stifelmeyer, 2014 Louisville. I think we all, that was like right at the beginning. We weren't friends yet, any of us, but I feel it's so funny because Chris, we must have had a Stifelmeyer talk once or twice in our lives. Just, you know, because again, that Louisville team, I know that's near your home base. But then, of course, the years before that, I'll just complete the decade here. Mitchell Frank, Alex Damashan, Mitchell Frank, Alex Damashan. You knew I was going to get there. Uh, We couldn't stop before we got to a big Exactly. That's the prime (laughs) of it all. But the point being, for the past decade, I mean, even Stiefelmeyer was really good that 2015 dual match season. This result matters. And all of those guys I listed went on to be, you know, outside of honestly maybe Kwiatkowski in 15, who that next year, 2016, I think was playing two or three. I think he was playing three by the NCAA finals against Spencer Papa. Yeah, it was Richard one, Colin Altamirano two. But obviously that was a special team. Is there any reason Ben Shelton couldn't be the tie? I think that's probably the best comp where it's just like, yeah, he's going to be just that. It's a lock. It's just like no matter where you put Ben, three, four, you just feel like he has emerged with what he's accomplished this fall. Uh, and yeah, I hope he listens to this so he feels buttered up before he comes on the show. But it just feels like a lock. And I'll go back to you here, Maddie. You talk about the company he joins, right? It, this isn't a fluke run. He's done it in straight sets. He's done it all season long. This is what a sophomore jump looks like. Yeah, no, there's no question. It's not a fluke at all. I mean, he's he's at that level where he's going to win I mean, I don't know if he's going to go undefeated and not lose a dual match. I'm not going to go that far. But, yeah, you put him at three or four in the lineup, and and he's going to win just about every single match. I mean, I'm confident in saying that. And, you know, even next year when some of these guys like Vale and Riffis may be out of there, that's when he's he's going to be able to take even another jump. I think he's already taken a huge jump last year to this year. I think there may be even another one coming as we progress through this season and he gets ready for next year because then it's it's going to be his team for sure. 19 years old, feels like he's got more room to grow into that frame as well. And, you know, again, we'll see. Well, do you want to save it for the college contender pot or do you want to get into what Vale and, and Riffis have done this summer as well? Because it is just worth mentioning, you know, for Riffis, semifinals at the Orlando Challenger. And for Vale, he's made, you know, I think a semifinal, a quarter, uh, sorry, a quarterfinal, two semifinals, and he's made a final of a futures here over the summer. Yeah, Ben, you know, Ben is right at that level, but let's be clear. Vale and Riffis are doing their jobs here this offseason as well. They are coming back and it's just... You know, again, we talk about the depth for Tennessee. We talk about, you know, Baylor, Virginia, Ohio State, Texas, what all of these teams have brought in. It's just worth remembering 
how freaking good uh, this Florida team has been. And, you know, again, it wasn't just uh, Shelton who continues his outstanding summer. We have to give a shout-out as well to finalist from San Diego, August Holmgren. Holmgren, with some of the wins of the tournament, he knocks off Micah Braswell 4-2 and two in the second round. He knocks off Monday in three sets, knocks off Mason Byler in straights. Straight set win for him, ends the run of Andre Iligan of Hawaii in the semifinals before bowing out in the final it's a debate we've had before DeJong, Holmgren, Destanich, Geller, Boyer, Ferry a lot of Stanford names on that list um not as many UCLA names on that list but I mean Holmgren's proven it Chris and I didn't mean to cut you off and not give you a chance to finish your final thoughts on Shelton but I'm just saying August Holmgren's the real deal oh absolutely and he I mean I think coming coming in you you probably have to put him in for your of all your west coast guys he's the leader going in right i mean someone you you've got to knock him down to to take him out uh yeah you're gonna want maybe you want to side on the big names but hell it's steph's gotta you know he played three last year at usc he's got to step up and play that competition at one uh and, and we'll see i obviously we know he can do that but but holmgren definitely he's he's the leader of that west coast crew uh, in the singles position, I think, but yeah, I do. I want to go back for one final take mm-hmm. on Shelton before we good, go on. Good. And that is, I think it's a very interesting dilemma, especially given that his dad is the coach, right? Mm-hmm. Because here's the question for, I mean, take out the dad being coach part of it. Cause that just makes it even more complicated. If you are the coach is your job a to develop these kids that want to become professional tennis players to the best that, you know, give them the best chance to grow into being a professional tennis player or to win, Mm -hmm. which is more important because they may be at odds. Mm -hmm. And if I asked both of you between Riffis, Valle and Shelton, who's got the highest upside professional career, is anybody going to argue that it's Shelton? I mean, yes. I don't think I think you I could think argue. He... I think you could argue that absolutely. You see the I mean, weapons. You see the results he's put together this summer. It's not as though he didn't win a pro title. I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I didn't mean to cut you. No, off. I'm saying, how do you argue that it's not him? He's oh. got the highest upside. Oh, I think you could argue Riffis. I mean, watch Sam Riffis play. The better the competition, the smoother it gets. And by the way, Duarte's yeah. a beast as well. But I'm saying, yeah. I. What, not to cut you off, what about the rotating cast theory? You do what Stanford did with the with uh, Goldstein and the Bryans, and you're just like, we're playing Russian roulette, guys. Like this is just what we have to do. I would, you know, I would love to see that because, yeah, I think it is a very interesting dilemma of, you know, one of those guys, and, and with with Ben being the youngest, he's certainly not third in line in terms of potential for pro tour. Sure. And you want to you want to give him those quality matches and the chance to develop. And you know, yes, the SEC is good, but still, you're not you know at three, he's not going to every match be getting that. And you know, and he he's got a couple years left still. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting debate of hey, I need to get all these guys really good competition and prep them at the same time. I want to win, and if you want to win, oh sure, I keep Shelton at three. I mean, there, then there's no question to me because you can. You can get away with it. You're going to have a really hard time dropping Riffis to three, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to get protested and, and probably overturned oh, right away. God but, willing. Uh, I, there were times last year, though, prior to his NCAA championship run, but in January and February, we all had the conversation of maybe Riffis should be at three here yeah. to start the well, season. But he, and he, but he wasn't great last year. I know. I mean, it's crazy. He, he deserved, he actually, for the what, whatever, one time maybe he got dropped down to three, he deserved it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's you're you're gonna have a hard time making that argument after winning NCAAs and everything that he's done to to knock him down to three. So, but you're gonna be able to get away with starting Ben at three because he played five last year, uh, and and that's just kind of you know until somebody falters, you can do it. So I just think that's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma, and I I, I do like your take. I would love to see them just say you know what we're gonna do the we're going to do the rotating the rotating cast uh sort of thing and and move them around if you will but i don't that i don't think that's going to happen but Ma- manny uh, i but can't yeah, wait after this podcast is published we're going to hear chris please report to the principal's office associate head coach tanner stump would like to speak with you chris please report to the principal's office um but no i yeah. again any final thoughts on this florida uh on this florida team any thoughts on holmgren as well obviously you see the four yeah i really the aggressive I mean, i'm, I'm very excited to see i'm excited to see holmgren this this year he's had and he's, he's had some opportunities right he had opportunities to play uh you know at at the the highest levels uh out west and uh it's going to be a good it, it's a good test for him uh and i think and to your point i think he is going to be one of the top west coast guys and Mm -hmm. uh you know it's just a shame it's a shame we don't get to see him in the week in week out matches in the pac 12 because i'd love to see him playing those guys uh and every week but uh but yeah he's gonna have a tremendous season i'm sure maddie yeah no for talking about holmgren you guys i mean i remember watching him probably about four years ago in 2017 and he was playing this was back when when nick and spencer were at duke and they played san diego for a spot in uh national indoors and they made it to seattle that year i believe that was their sophomore year and you know i'm watching holmgren and and man to see where he's where he's at now i mean he has taken so many strides his game now it's not even comparable guys you probably don't remember him four years ago i mean if you do you'll remember i mean he was nowhere near this level you mentioned chris uh his opportunity to play out west at the uh that 250 the san diego open Mm -hmm. or whatever it was he was a lucky loser he got to play grigor dimitrov there in that tournament what an experience that was Mm -hmm. i just think yeah this guy you know he's on a team that we don't really talk about as much because they don't really make noise they're not ranked high but um no this guy can play with anybody so to see his result go all the way you know through to the final at at all americans to me not a surprise yeah and just to that point about you know again the opportunity to watch august holmgren play and you look for the san diego team last season for those of you who aren't or who don't know that it was a down, you know down year by their standards nine and ten last year tough one for them but of course you know tricky conference for them they have losses at pepperdine they play ucla usc cal all the you know arizona's and stanford's of the world they play a tough schedule because they are trying to qualify for NCAs. They are trying to push themselves against the best of the best. And just a trivia question for the two of you. When was the last time a non-Power 5 player made the All-American singles final for the men? 
again, the last time a non-Power 5 conference player made the ITA All-American Singles Final. Silence. Mm. I like it. We're going to go to you here first, Chris. Just give me a year. Guess a year. Uh, I'm going to say 2007. Okay. Maddie. No, I, I think it was it was more I don't know, man. I all really right. don't know. I well, feel Chris, like it was I was going to say All right, go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to cut you. Give me a guess. Give me a guess. I was going to say I think it was maybe a little bit more recent than that, 2009, 11. I I don't know. So, you would have thought maybe Dom Kofer would have made a run at this event at some point. I get why you'd think that. That is not the case though. The last time a non-power 5 player competed in the men's singles final 2006. It was Arnau Brugis of Tulsa knocking out John Isner in that 2006 final. That is the last time we saw a non... Because I'm pretty sure Louisville was in the ACC in 2014, right? Steifemeyer at that point was oh, playing yeah. ACC tennis. And so, yeah, that's the last time. And by the way, shout out to Florida finalists at least in three of the past five seasons. But that's the last time we saw it happen. Here's why I bring this up. We criticized the seeding earlier. I don't. You can understand why the ITA struggles with that. We haven't seen the players play in more than you know three months, and we the la- results from last year were funky. And you know some people play a heavy ITA schedule, others elect not to play any IT events. They go and play the pros. I get that. The thing, and I know some of it may have been beyond the ITA's control, and obviously the job Cody did, the job, the entire ITA team. You know, again, just all week long for the ITAs. We are eternally grateful for their coverage. How can you not have a live stream, not even a broadcast, it's to not have a live stream in the final when you haven't had a mid-major program since 2006. This is the University of San Diego's chance, or San Diego University, I may have butchered it, I apologize. This is their chance to show the world, hey, we have a top five tennis player, look what we're developing. To your point, Maddie. look what August Holmgren has turned into under the tutelage of college tennis, just one of those premier opportunities to broadcast one of the you know non-Power 5 conferences to the broader tennis world, and we don't have a broadcast of the final. Now, we did have broadcasts throughout the week, and we did have you know score updates. There were some issues with the scoring. There were some issues with the name, but whatever. Ultimately, we worked that out by the end of the week. But we just, it's 2021. We can't have that happen if we want to grow the game. And why am I bringing this up? It's its not to take a free pot shot at the ITA. I don't do that. I know how hard Dan Johnson, who's new in there, obviously Bruce Washuk, Dave Mullins, Tim Russell, the entire team. I didn't mention Caroline Eberhardt. She killed it over at the women's event. Where, by the way, and we'll talk about that on that pod, they didn't have broadcast uh, streaming, live streaming the entire week for the women. It's 2021. If the objective is to grow the game, the future of college tennis, build the audience, people need to freaking see it. And I'm just saying Sunday morning when they're playing the final, 10, 11 a.m. Eastern time, you don't have a single Indian Wells match on the schedule yet. Huh. What should we do to fill our time as college fans? Maybe we should be promoting the ITA All-American, which, of course, in 2019 was on ESPN, you know, the ESPN streaming service. And I... Whatever happened between now and then happened, and we're not going to speculate in rumors. But it's just like it, it's crushing for a Holmgren to have, you know, not have that opportunity for the broader San Diego program to not be put on a pedestal. And, you know, again, I'm not taking pot shots. I'm, I think just if we're going to be candid, though, and we are the College Tennis Podcast, that is one of the takeaways from the singles final is that none of us could see it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Ditto. Uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. 
Yeah, and I and I mean, so it, some of us know a little more about what went on and why we didn't have a stream there, right, Druskin? And again, mm -hmm. it's not to take pot shots, and 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 it wasn't the ITA's fault. Exactly. But at the same time, in in my eyes, it should be the ITA's responsibility to make sure that things like that are taken care of. You know, this is event. You know, the event's coming. You know. A, a year in advance you're you get out there a week ahead of time you make sure all this stuff is good i mean how hard is it to go out there i mean it's not hard but you, you got to put it on the schedule you get out there before the event's going and you make sure the stream's working on all 12 courts you make sure that you can type names in you know you know all of that kind of stuff it's just yeah and what may, maybe they need maybe they just need more help whatever the case but yeah we can as fans you're not going to get the game grown without having that kind of you know that kind of coverage and so that that's just that's inexcusable and it just can't happen for whatever the reasons are right that's not what we're we're not here trying to blame anybody in particular you just can't let that happen you have to make sure that things like that go on mm -hmm. no the to quote the eternal immortal aristotle happens like we're all aware of that it happens each and every tournament and again i know how hard dan johnson works i know how hard cody works i know how hard the entire team works it's the final. It's one of the Super Bowls of the fall calendar, and it's just like these are the little things. We got to nail the little things, and the reason we bring it up obviously is because as Chris and Matt and all of us have mentioned, we want to grow the game. That said, Holmgren, stud, Shelton, stud, we knew these things coming in. They manifested itself. Let's talk about some of the new things we've learned, and I want to open up the floor to you first, Maddie. I'm going to it's an open-ended question here. Give me something else you learned from this ITA All-American Singles Championship. Hmm. You know, it could be something you confirmed maybe. It doesn't even have to be a new fact. It could be just a confirmation as well. Yeah, I for me, I other than Shelton continuing his run, I don't I don't know if I took Sure. All that much out of it. I, I mean, again, we were missing so many players. How about the Hawaii kid, though? I will say, I mean, I do have to give a shout out to him, making it all the way through, I think, what, to the, to the yeah, semifinals? Yeah, before yeah. knocked out by Holmgren. Beat Kingsley I mean, in the uh, round of 16. Right. So that's huge. I mean, Cannon Kingsley is a guy that I thought was going to win the event. I remember prior to uh, to the tournament, we came on here and I said, look, I think Cannon Kings Kingsley needs to win this thing. So. I do give a shout out to him, but again, it's like going forward, are we ever going to talk about him again? Right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not really going to be talking about Hawaii. Like this was his moment and I'm glad that he got it, but I don't know how much more we're really going to see of this guy. Mm -hmm. No, it's a good question to ask. The Hawaii men's tennis schedule, has it come out for the fall yet? Let's see. We do not yet have a fall schedule for them. You look, uh, again, the biggest teams they played in 2021 for Hawaii. You see all the UCs, San Diego, Irvine, Davis, Poly. Obviously, that's the conference that they play in. Nothing beyond the conference play last season. It's a good question to ask. I mean, hopefully we get to see Andre Elegon play as much as possible. And to your point, just some of the wins he accomplished along the way. Not only does he beat Kingsley, follows it up with a win, three sets over Alex Kotzen of Columbia, who's had some pro success here this summer. Is one of the guys I have circled as one of the breakthrough players here this season. You look elsewhere, again, for Illigan, knocks off Marcus McDaniel round one, knocks off Aguilar round two, drops a total of seven games in those two victories. 
I mean, he came through qualifying too, Chris. Like, it's like you look for Andre Iligan again. His qualifying victories equally impressive. You look, or maybe not equally impressive, but still certainly impressive. You look at just what he was able to accomplish throughout uh, the course of the tournament. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one of your standouts. Hopefully, again, he can bank the rankings points from here and just we get to see more of him moving forward. He needs to transfer to a contender. <laughs> He's got a year out Baylor in him. Hey. <laughs> hey. I mean, UCSB and UC Irvine steal everything out there. Certainly one of those two schools has got to be elected. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Let's get in as much trouble as possible. Um, no. I mean, again, all right, I'll, I'll open it then. Same open-ended question to you, Chris. Give me something you learned from this event. Give me all of your th- – I feel like you learned many things. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, obviously – you know, seeing the kid from Washington that played that even though he was there last year, right. It wasn't on the radar at all. In my mind, he had a great summer. Didn't even realize until I saw him at all Americans and went back and looked up the summer results. Right. He went like, I don't know. It was some, it was a very tight match with Luca Pui. It was straight, but I, I, it was like maybe six and four or seven and five, or I don't know what it or you know, six and five, some, some very close match had some big wins. I mean, that, that kid is good. And, you know, it took out, took out Steph for, from, from USC, uh, three sets, three sets over Diallo. And then, I mean, that, I think that's the point at which I got the most impressed with Shelton was this kid looks tremendous. And then Ben beats him three and oh, uh, I mean, just, just crazy. But yeah, I think we talked about on the other pods, some of my other takeaways. Uh, I mean, the Ivy League in general and, and two of the schools to me from from all Americans, Columbia and Harvard, both look, I mean, they're both going to be very, very good teams. Uh, and, and just you know, to issue you're... a correction from last week, we called him Doc Von Jr. He's actually Doc Von Sr., Henry yeah. von der Schulenberg, slightly older than his younger brother. The older brother. Yeah, yeah, so Doc Von Sr. for Henry is what we're going to have. Is that fine, Maddie? Did we come to a consensus? I kind of like that. Doc I don't know. I still I, I don't, don't know think... if I. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then we can call him Doc Von Junior and Doc Von. Oh, I'm, all right. Well, yeah. We'll workshop it. Workshop it. Sorry. Keep going, Chris. Jeffrey is not Junior though. He was the original. I know. He was the original. Yeah. That's true. But now we've got Senior and Junior. Well, we'll see who does better this year. You know what? We'll see who does better. There can only be one Doc Von. He's gonna. He's yeah. You're gonna have to have the OG Doc Von. Yeah, exactly. What if, if they play head to head? What is that? Yeah, it's a medical conference, is what we call that matchup. But um, no, again, Chris, to continue, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. But to your point, Henry von der Schulenberg is one of my standout performers. By the way, of the tournament, was excellent in the backdraw, earning victories over Costa of UC Irvine, beats James Davis, beats Justin uh, Barkai, beats or uh, before getting knocked out, I believe, by Monte Votzel. But of course, he had come through qualifying as well. I thought just again, really good tournament for him yeah i mean and, and then finals too obviously and then there was you know there, there were a couple others in in there that i thought you know some some guys that looked really good you had a you got a good showing uh from from your michigan boy and bickersteth right mm-hmm. um and and an amazing win from one five down in the third over tristan boyer but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but he, but after that, right? He takes out he takes out Henning, and I think that was one of the other schools. One of the other schools that stood out to me from the All Americans, just both across singles and doubles, was Georgia. They didn't have anybody make 
uh, any big deep runs, but just kind of across the board, you can see what they've got. They had they had three guys playing good singles. They had doubles teams doing well. They, you know, if they manage to get things get things rolling, that's a very a very good team uh, that could be dangerous in in the SEC. Uh, and I I mean from a from a singles standpoint, I think that the other thing like like we talked about before was it really stunk that so many guys weren't there because you saw you see some of the quality that got to the end and then you start thinking to yourself man i wish that we had seen these guys with liam draxel with sam riffis with adam walton with you know and whatever go down the rankings from last year you know Boy, all Tom, of those other guys of them, yeah. yeah that you want to see in there you wish that had been the case so i'm not sure you know i i think that's a that's another takeaway for me is is it's tough with when it's when it's a lone event in the fall like that and there's just incentive for these guys to not be there you know you don't necessarily get the best so i it would it would be great if we could find a way to have the best you know all of the guys there as well yeah no, I completely agree with you uh, from that perspective. Uh, I would also say, you know, again, and this is how we can transition to the doubles results. One of the teams similar to Georgia just having success across the board was Ohio State. And obviously the big thing for them in their first tournament together, Votzel and Cash go on to win the freaking event. And you look at the teams they were able to knock off on their way to the title for, again, Votzel and Cash. They earned victory in the final over their teammates in uh, James Trotter, Justin Boulay, but on their way to the final, a win over Hudden Matsui, who, by the way, I told you guys, they're into the semifinals, and that's the three doubles team probably for Tennessee, but for Cash Votzel, they beat them. They beat Sven Law and Bass, they knock off a dangerous and I think sneaky good team in Andrew Zhang and Heller over at Duke, a win over Hanan Martinez of Oklahoma, the 5 through 8 seed in their first match. Uh, again, Maddie, for me, you have those two performers. Votzel does well in the, quali- in the back draw as well. I think he ends up winning the consolation uh, for the ITA All-American. You have J.J. Tracy making it through the quarterfinals of the main draw, and you look for Tracy, the wins he was able to get on the week for him, you know, again, to uh, just make that quarterfinal before getting knocked out by Shelton. He beats uh, Alexandre Rico of uh, Arkansas, who's had a good fall. He beats Nikola Slavic. He gets a win over Stefan Hamp of Tulsa as well. I made some errors. I should have included the Ohio State in my four-point teams last week because, again, up and down the roster, I'm not even. We haven't talked about Van Emberg. We haven't talked about Trotter, and you know, again, Tracy Cannon Votzel on their own. That's his dangerous threesome, and Tracy might be at five or six. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yep. I will say, guys, thinking about it a little bit more here, my one of my big takeaways overall was just thinking about Ohio State, yes. right? And in my own mind, I'm going, okay, this team's probably going to be even better than what I thought. I, I hadn't really thought about it too much. We'll obviously get into our contender series and everything. They'll be in there. But, man, 
Ohio State could be really, really good. I mean, the doubles teams, that's a bonus. I mean, to get a guy like Vossel coming in, you pair him with Robbie Cash. I was impressed with Cash. I watched a couple of their matches that they played in doubles. Cash, to me, looked... He looked good. He just, he looked really comfortable, um, you know, and Vossel's been around a while, but he's new to that team. And I could tell Cash was like, okay, man, like this is, this is Ohio State. Like I'm going to come out here and ball. And I thought he looked really good. There's another guy too. I know Chris knows uh, Anthrop, Jack Anthrop, who's mm-hmm. going to be coming uh, to Ohio State as well. I believe in the spring, mm-hmm. this is another kid that's really, really good. That's going to be, um, you know, on that roster. So they're, they're deep. They're going to be good at every position. They've gotten some transfers in there. They've got returning players. Yeah. I mean, Ohio state, we're going to have to start talking about them a little bit more. They're going to be awesome indoors. The question is like it always is with Ohio state, as we get to the end of the season and they match up with Florida in Texas and Baylor and Tennessee and Stanford and all these teams. Stanford, how do they do it at, at the end? Right? Yeah, I forgot about Stanford. There might be seven four-point teams this year. Sweet baby Rays. And I'm like not even including a South Carolina or Kentucky team that are so freaking good. And as you mentioned with Michigan, if Bickerseth's the answer, like – that's good depth there as well. There's just a lot of talent. And again, we have five classes of high school seniors, or seniors, excuse me, five classes of high school players now in college. Uh, and because of that, you know, we do have a plethora of talent across the board. But you're absolutely right, Maddie. I was, because I recorded a podcast today with Canon Kingsley that'll definitely come out next week. And, you know, we were discussing it, and it's just like, okay, because, you know, doubles was a struggle for them last year, and that's something that they're so excited about is to be like, okay, well, we have two teams make the ITA All-American Final in our first week. We're back on schedule. The thing is, if Ohio State's winning doubles points, Maddie, or Chris, whoever wants to answer this question, I've got to go to you here, Chris, how do you find four singles win against them? Again, Van Emberg, three or four singles, because you know Cannon and Mate, that's your one and two. You lock that in. Some combination of Trotter, Van Emberg, Tracy, three, four, five. Maybe you throw Boulay in the mix above there. As you mentioned, Anthrop comes in as well. I mean, damn, <laughs> that team can play. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got a lot, but that's certainly going to be when you start talking about the you know the the teams that they're going to match up against when you get when you get that far in. You know, if you're playing a Florida or somebody, um, you know that that three through six, not just the three through six, but even at that point, the one and two are not, you know, they're not locks against any of those teams. Uh, right. I mean, you're not, you're not going to go, Oh, Kingsley's a lock over, over Riffis. No, you're not, you're not, and you're not going to say it the other way either. Right. I mean, though you're, you've just got a bunch of really, really good matches all the way down the lineup uh, there. Although I'm going to say if Shelton's three, you're going to say Florida's a heavy, heavy favorite at three, right. That's going to be the case against anyone. But no, I mean, they're, they're, they are super, super deep. I mean, you know, you, you look at them and you left out, you left out in all of your talk with Shawnig, who's looked really good. Yeah, that's uh, who, he had know. a really good tournament. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. And and Ty talked about it last year when we talked to him that, you know, he had had an injury. I think it was a knee injury. I th- and I think we saw him wearing a brace and he had just been coming back from that. And the guy hits the snot out of the ball. Big guy. Uh, and he's he's had you know a, he had a good tournament there and he's been been playing well in general. 
had some very good results. So he's, you know, he's banging in uh, the door to be, to be playing in that lineup. So I think for them, just figuring out who the six are is going to be very interesting because you can make an argument that neither Trotter or Boulay is in the lineup. And I can't imagine that happening. I can imagine it being not Boulay, but, uh, but to keep them both out, but you, but the fact that you've got after those top two, you've got Van Emberg, you've got Tracy, you've got Cash, you've got Litshonig, that could be six. So now you've got two more with Trotter and Boulay. You've got eight guys legitimately battling, uh, you know, for those six spots. Mm-hmm. And I will also say this, and I wish I had a long list of people to prove it, and I hope Dave Schilling hears this and Coach Schilling, if you're listening to this, text me and tell me why I'm right or wrong. But I feel like year three is the year when you're in the Ty Tucker program because year one, you're so excited. You're taking all the lumps. You're kind of figuring out, oh, man, this really is a slog, and I got to pace myself and whatever. Year two, you perfect your process. Year three is when you make your Kevin Metka jump, right? That's when you – I just think a guy like Robbie Cash, they've been waiting for him to grow into that Metka role. I think that's the difference this season. If Cash can steal them wins at the bottom of the lineup or just, again, that 5-6, I do think Tracy at 5 might be a lock of locks. We was He lost one match last year, and he's going to be back at 5 singles this year. That's as good as you're going to see across the country. I do think, again, it might need some help, but I, I do think this Ohio State has the pieces to be right back up there at the top of the map and of course you look at some of the other doubles results at least you know notable successes uh, for teams across the country you look for USC they seem to have found an heir apparent to the Cookerman Smith team in Destanich and Fry now the question of course for them is who plays two doubles who plays three doubles but Destanich Fry making the semifinals and I thought this was a pretty good tournament for Steph in general HUD, Mitsui, real deal. They make the semifinals. As Chris mentioned, you get, I believe, a, a Georgia team, one Georgia team in the semis. I want to say two Georgia teams uh, in the semis, excuse me, in the quarterfinals. And I want to say only one in the round of 16, excuse me, but that duo was the new duo of Henning and Stewart. Matty, final thoughts on the doubles action? Any other takeaways for you? Mm, not too much. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I did watch uh, Sven Law and Finn Bass, obviously. <laughs> uh, interested to see what that combination looked like. It's going to be interesting. There were mm-hmm. some things I liked, other things that I think can, you know, can be improved. Um, but interesting overall. I mean, there's a lot of pieces there. I think Coach Woodson's going to have to figure out uh, what he wants to do with doubles. But um yeah, no, it was hey, I the biggest statement was made by Ohio State, man. No question. I don't know when I mean to get two teams in the final, you can probably look that up, Gruskin. You probably have that stat of the last time two teams from the same school made the doubles final. I don't know, but that's that's big time. And Cannon Kingsley, we've been talking about him. He wasn't even one of those four players, right? Mm-hmm. So if we have two teams there. We have another team with Cannon Kingsley, and we haven't even talked about him. So, yes, um, Ohio State's going to be really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them play. It's happened one other time in history, Maddie. 1985. There what you go. team did it, Chris? You were that was your prime. 1985, Man, summer I, of Reagan. 
Golly, 1985, I was like a junior in high school. Grassy. Jensen, uh, that's what I was following it all closest. Jensen and Jorge Lozano of USC knock out Rick Leach and Tim Possett of USC yeah. as well, 1985. Yeah. yeah, that's the only time that's happened. Good call, though, Maddie. You look at some of the teams that have had success, Labidus and Reese won it back-to-back. God, Labidus and Reese are maybe the most underrated. We don't talk about them enough and how freaking good they were uh, during the 2010s. But, no, I think that's a fair takeaway. My my one that I would add before I give you the final word, Chris, would be Arizona doubles. Now, they didn't do anything crazy in the main draw, but you look at what they were able to accomplish in qualifying for, you know, Hassey and Colton Smith to get a win over Kingsley and Tracy, get a win over Chittick and Davis over at Washington before getting knocked out by Seymour and Shelby of Florida. And, you know, for Malbasic, Hoyerall to end up qualifying into the main draw. They get wins over Utah State, VCU, Penn, uh, to get there as well. We know about Arizona's depth in singles. If they start winning doubles points, they go from contender in the Pac-12 to like, oh yeah, they can absolutely beat Stanford. I, there's no doubt that they can beat anybody in the Pac-12. I mean, you know, we saw what they did last year, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, they're yeah they're they're good, and yeah, they they had a really they. They did have a really good showing. And, you know, from that conference, Oregon had some de- – I mean, I think they had a couple mm-hmm. doubles teams in there uh, mm-hmm. that, that actually showed up fairly well as well. But, yeah, Arizona just – it's another school that just looked when – you, when you look across the board at how many guys they had, kind of like the Georgia thing. I said nobody with a deep run, but a lot of guys around uh, that just tells you they've, they've, got so, they've got some super, super depth on that team. Mm-hmm. But no doubles doubt. is key for them, guys. If you remember last year, I said over and over again, I trust them in singles. I don't trust them in doubles. If they can find something in dubs where they're winning more dubs points, they're going to be really tough to beat because they can, I mean, they can even win four singles matches against a lot of top teams. They proved that already. I think mm-hmm. doubles is the key for them. So yeah, Gruskin, this was big for, for Arizona, I think. Mm-hmm. And you're our Duke insider I think Duke is a little bit better this year. I do. I think they're a little bit better. They're older. Here's the thing about Duke. I do believe that they can make a run in the ACC this year. It's a more mature Duke team. You look at that lineup, it's going to be mainly veterans that are in there. Guys like Garrett Johns and Sean Scully and Andrew Zhang and Edu and, you know, all these guys that have been around now multiple years. We're talking two, three, four years that have been in the program. Um, That's a big deal. You know, over the past couple years, they were still a little bit young. I think now it's a little bit of a deeper team and they're more mature. I think, you know, they're not going to win the ACC, but I think they can, if they play well, they can match up with a lot of teams in that conference. I do agree, Gruskin, but I was just thinking you were going to say uh, Heller and uh, Zang, the new double number one doubles yeah. team of Heller and Zhang ahead <laughs> of uh, my boy Scully, Scully and Garrett Johns, but yeah, that's not no. happening. No, that's I'm not, not happening. ready for that take. But to your point, this is the season. Like, this is where all those five stars, all the blue chips who stuck around, they're now in year three, year four. This is the one. And I think a lot of listeners on this podcast know my thoughts on Duke. And by the way, the tangent I said I was going to do for you guys today was going to be what are the top 10 jobs in college tennis, but we'll save that for next time. But we'll end on this thought Duke is on that list. 
Duke is a top 10 job in college oh, tennis. Come on. Oh, you're crazy if you think otherwise. You're crazy. Have the conversations. I mean, I have my short. Do you want to do this? Are we doing it? Are we opening the can of worms? Maddie, I'll let you be the cho- be the judge. Well, here's the thing, though. What are you basing? Like, when you say top 10 jobs, like, what are you basing that off of? Like, what's your criteria? Okay. Um, like, I, so no, and this is something, again, so we're going to do this on a separate podcast because this links to something in the offseason that Chris needs to get his to get his work together going. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's something I'm going to need his help doing. He knows what it is as well. Uh, but, you know, again, it's about the criteria, A, you know, again, program success. Uh, have you had a track record of success in the past? Have you proven you can be this? program? Part number two, again, from a recruiting standpoint, have you proven you can bring in top recruits, not just from obviously within the country, but from outside of the country as well? Number three, of course, is the revenue available to you for the job. Are you going to be fully funded? Do you have four and a half scholarships? Do you have, you know, do you ever have to worry about your uh program ever being cut and just all of these things the combination of upsides and you've seen the recruiting classes i think duke's a top 10 job from a resource perspective we saw in the late 2000s early 2010s early 2000s as well duke was humming duke can be a top 10 program in the country and i i think it can be top five as well chris go ahead fine we're 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 doing it now then oh no oh no this is a power there's a power five I'm going to say, we're going to start with the premise, each conference gets two. There's no chance Duke's top two in the ACC. UNC so, and UVA. And, and I, and I Are think we sure UNC is a better job than Duke? I would go to Wake over there. Oh, no I way. Him, no, oh, well, fourth. maybe. I guess they have Winston-Salem, but you take Duke. I oh, mean, but, look at all the money. Look at all the money there, okay, too. Come on. Okay, but take but Tony out of that. Wake Forest. But take Tony out of Wake Forest, and is it still as appealing even, of a job? E- even at three in the ACC, you have to knock someone out of somewhere else. And I'm going to say, forget knocking someone out of somewhere else. USC, UCLA, Stanford locks from the Pac-12, so yeah. they've already knocked someone else out. So now you got to knock two schools out okay. to get them in. What's the Big 12 you, second not, school? What's a better job, Baylor or Duke? Baylor. No, it's better because Mike Woodson and Noel and Boland have made it better. I don't, like, yes, the resources at Baylor, oh, okay, maybe this version of Baylor now is very, very good, but I'm telling you the best form of, ugh. I just it's disagree. Not even this ver- it's not this version. Back when back when I yeah. was going through the whole college recruiting process, Baylor was the school that could name the American kids they wanted. It's damn that, okay. it, not Duke. Okay. okay, that's fine. But better job, Baylor or Te- uh, Duke or Texas? Ooh, you've paused because that's I- your second Big 12 school. Rodidi has turned TCU into TCU. I won't hear Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma on this list. So what about that? It's Texas or Duke, right? Yeah, it's I mean, in the conversation. That yeah, you're you're at least in the conversation there. I'll give you that. Okay. But I mean, but you've got to knock a couple schools out. Now, you're not knocking out I would assume you're not knocking two Big 10 schools out. Ohio State's a lock to be in there. Yeah, I would say Duke and Michigan are comparable. I don't think like Michigan is Oh, so you've already got Michigan above. You've got Michigan above Illinois. Oh, that's a good point too. Oh, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, they're in the conversation, though. I think if you, 
Uh, I don't want to speculate I'll, I'll what Brad Dancer would say if you asked him that question. But I'm saying Duke, Duke is not prohibitively worse than Illinois or Michigan. It's absolutely right there with them. SEC-wise, <laughs> Georgia might be the best job in college tennis. So, yes, Georgia, of course, is number one. But is Florida right now? Yes. But is Florida definitively better than Duke? Like definitively a better job? Is Tennessee definitively a better job? I don't care what year you pick. You can you can name it. I mean, just pick a year out of the hat. 1989. Yes, I take Florida over Duke. Doesn't matter. Always. Okay. Maddie, you've been inauspiciously or auspiciously quiet. Yeah, I'm going to get yelled at for these. T- I'm sorry. Sorry. That's go what ahead. I was going to say. I, I, I'm going to reserve. I'm going to take my right <laughs> to not speak. Uh, I, I'm going to have to sit this one out. I just there's too many unknown people variables. That I know. You're so I, right too. I, yeah. I just, well, I, but but here, look. Yeah. Let Let's sorry. clarify, Gross. We're not we're we're not picking at, on coaches. No, we're it not has nothing to do with play, the coach. I'm not it talking about the coach. To, Independent yeah, of the coach. Exactly. It is yeah, this, this has, blank exactly. slate. Blank slate. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, I, I will say this, guys. From... Blank okay, slate. Ahead, Duke University Come is on. as good as it gets when it comes to, okay, your third criteria, Gruskin, resources. Yeah, it's unlimited. Yeah. They, they have them. But you have to be committed to winning and wanting to use those resources. So I'm not going to go any further here, but no, a a blank slate. I mean, I would love to be at Duke. I I, I just would. I mean, the combination of athletics and academics and just the campus and the tradition. The name identity. They have basketball. So people around the country know Duke. Around the world. Around the world, excuse me, yes. Around the world, no Duke. Yes, it is. It's a really special place. There's no doubt about it. It, It's an awesome place. I mean, look, you guys know how I feel about Duke. I mean, I've always been a Duke fan, so it's – but you have to have the right people in place, and you can have all the resources you want in the world, but you have to be committed – to winning and using those resources wisely if you're going to get anything done. Yeah, you're 100% correct. I agree with you. But this is the, yeah, to your point, it's the blank slate test, and there's just a sex appeal amongst, I was 18, and it's like, if Duke is recruiting you, you tell all of your friends, yo, Duke is recruiting me. And uh, let's be clear, Duke was never recruiting me. But if Duke was recruiting me, I would have told everyone, and like, okay, Tennis nerds will know, oh, Wake Forest is recruiting you? That's freaking awesome. But that's not Duke. Duke is Duke. That's a good yep. argument. I wrote that in a paper once, and I got an A+, plus, Chris. But, Professor, your Duke, thoughts on that Duke argument? Duke is Duke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I, I think you're, you, to, you know, along both the lines of what both you and Maddie are saying, it's what we're talking about here is, and it's really the, what where you're going is if you ask the coaches – Yes. Is it, you know, do the coaches want that job? Is that one of the top 10 jobs the coaches would want? And I think the issue, and that is kind of the bigger issue I have where that Maddie's alluding to is that, yeah, you have the, re- they absolutely have the resources uh, and you, you have the money and, and everything and everything that you get when you go to Duke is, you know, is everybody as committed to try and make to make tennis. And I don't mean, you know, is Ramsey Smith committed? Of course, yeah. that's his job. He's committed, right? 
is is everybody else that's outside of tennis committed to trying to make the tennis program you know a number one team in the country like they are at some of these other schools and i think that's that's where it, where it gets tough because if you're going to want to coach there you need not only do you need that recognition so that you can recruit but now you need you need everybody else backing you and if they can get to the point where where that is the case then obviously they'll get the recruits that they're not getting right now uh, and lift that program to that level. But I just don't think it's there right now. Yeah, you know what we'll have to do, Chris? We'll have to ask all the coaches for their thoughts and just maybe take a straw poll and see uh, where it comes out. Um, hint, hint. Maybe that's coming <laughs> later in this off season. But no, I. that's fair. Again, all of your points are fair. And all this was going to be a tangent to say, by the way, what do we think of the Cal men's tennis job? Is Cal men's tennis a potential top 15 job, top 20 job? Like, it's got to be in that range. Uh, certainly, it's got to be appealing. And so, uh, of course, still no developments on that full time. You hear rumors about who's interviewed, but nothing concrete yet, nothing worth reporting. And so, uh, again, that's where things stand. But we'll save the the definitive top 10 list. You guys are getting some homework. We'll put those together, our top 10 programs. We'll talk about that at some point in the offseason. Uh, you wrap, know what this reminds me of, Maddie? Yes. Oh, go for it. This, this is This is us naming as we as we go through all of our teams this is us naming our ncaa quarter finalists and gruskin gruskin putting up his 12th team (laughs) (laughs) it's us going uh, and 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 you calling him out last year how many teams do you have in the (laughs) quarterfinals Oh yeah, Gruskin. Hey, I, I think this team's going to make the quarters. I think this team's going to make the quarters. Oh, this team's definitely in the quarters. Well, wait a minute. We just counted 12 teams and there's only eight quarterfinalists. Look, if you're asking me right now, if I were to show you guys my notes and I would to show you under where it says top 10 jobs tangent, how many teams I have listed. Yes, it's a list of 17. You're right. It's not the top 10. It's a list of 17. Uh, Go above and beyond. Chris's point exactly. Yeah, but Bob always said, go above and beyond. But for the record, Wake 13th on that list. So I, they were hovering around, but, you know, again, Duke over Wake is nonsense from a job perspective. Anyways, we'll flush out this debate a different time. I'll give you guys the floor. Any final thoughts? Maddie, first to you. No, after that, man, I, whew, I'm exhausted <laughs> now. I got to go to sleep. Jeez. Um, I don't know if I was prepared for that conversation, but uh, yeah, no, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with Cal. I'll, I'll just say, though, I mean, very clearly, Chris said this before, if I'm going to go work in the Pac-12, I'm going to USC, UCLA, or Stanford before Cal. So, I mean, you're looking at a team that's probably, you know, the number four job in that conference at the highest and i'm not even saying that it's number four I, well it might be up there but i'd have to look um no it's four. oregon utah the arizona said by the way that clancy shields can turn arizona into that program imagine what you can do with cal freaking berkeley which much like duke universal recognition not just here yeah domestically, but that's, that's but. all about clancy the era jo- the arizona job itself wouldn't be listed no you're correct but i'm there. saying that's, i'm saying it's, that's, that's putting clancy up there yeah that's actually so true yeah that's really just the point about clancy uh, but the point is i i think cal does have well, anyways it's a conversation for another time sorry i didn't mean to cut you off maddie yeah no that's all i got man that's yeah. all i got it was a it was a good week uh 
looking at the time here, I, I may go check out some Indian Wells, actually. Ooh, it's about that time. I like it. Night match is about to go on. Chris, any final thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, my first was I, I always pick on Gruskin, so not, I'll just throw one Maddie's way. It's okay, Matt. You can go to bed. Berrettini lost. <laughs> oh. God, that hurts, yeah, but Hoobie man. won. And- but Hoobie, the year <laughs> of Hoobie. Yeah, but Chris Chris knows where it can really hurt me, and Berrettini is my guy. He knows that, so that does uh, – I do feel that one. I do. I was a little bit disappointed with that result. Fair was enough, it, Chris. Yeah. Was yeah, it fun yeah. for you, Maddie? We forgot to ask. Did you enjoy going to the Met Gala with Berrettini as his plus one? Was that a good time for you? That was a great time. I was honored to be there, and I'll do it again next year if I need to. You look exceptional in a tux. You know that. Um, but, no, that was uh, – yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, was, uh, it was good. But, Chris, you have uh, final thoughts? Yeah, my final – I haven't gotten that out really this year for, for any uh, in-person action, which I will be doing this weekend. So I am looking forward to it. Not only do I get to go see the uh, – the my you know my boys out at liberty and the flames i get to see the new the finished completed indoor facility they've got there but i'm going to check out the uh the atlantic regional this weekend uh, which they are hosting so a good chance for me to get out and see a bunch of teams uh and some of the guys in that in that atlantic region it's it's kind of the atlantic regions doing the regional and then super regional concept this year so you i won't be seeing the top top guys uh because they'll all be playing the second weekend but i'll get all the guys that are effectively it's kind of like the the qualities or pre-qualities if you will at all americans all the guys trying to make it to the super regional so looking forward to, to that this weekend no doubt about that i forgot to throw one more thing at you maddie and uh i guess chris as well the year of cam nori 10 quarterfinals for nori this season top 15 in points accumulated he's going to crack the top 20 of the rankings if he's, if he's not careful at the start of next season. I mean, he was number one in college. He was extraordinarily good for his final year at TCU and that duo of him, Rybakov at 1-2, Jerry Lopez, and just, you know, those teams, what they were able to accomplish. I remember their quarterfinal match 2017 against Ohio State. Ohio State starts doing the leapfrog after they win to advance to the semifinals. That said... I didn't expect I like I think this season from Nori is probably better than any season Stevie Johnson had and it's not quite on the Isner Anderson level but it's on the Pantheon like this is as good as it gets career defining year for yeah. Cam Nori it really is I I didn't expect it I'm with you Gruskin I mean I watched him in college great player obvious pro potential but to do what he's doing I mean it's really impressive. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. He works hard. He deserves it. But yeah, I, I definitely didn't see this type of a year coming. Mm-hmm. Chris? Yeah, I lo- I'm, oh, obviously, I, I love to see it. And I think it's even more so that, it, that not just that it's a, a college guy and a guy that we've got, we got to see a lot of playing, but also the fact that, you know, I, I'll, I have to admit, every time I watch him and I see that take back, how you know how you know i don't know that i want to call it awkward but not you know it's it's definitely not the norm i equate it to like watching jim furick swing a golf club right yeah condensed. It's, like this re- it's very condensed really weird backswing right but just to show you that you you don't everybody doesn't have to have the same swing you know you don't have to have the same mechanics to to be great and like you said this guy could crack top 20 and it's uh yeah it's phenomenal I, it's it's so much fun fun to watch and uh you know and hopefully and now we've got you know 
Dom's make is has been playing well. You got JJ Wolf back from injury. Hopefully he makes the rise. You know, Cressy of all of, of all guys has been playing well. I and mean, we got a lot of a lot of recent college guys. You know, we know about the Isners and the Andersons and and it's and Stevie J's, but but seeing some of the guys that have just come out in the last five years now all starting to make really good solid runs is a lot of fun. Crawford, Nuno, you name them. They're they really are. They're all having success and yeah, I mean, I will say it was kind of fun when he goes. I turn up on the press conference. He goes, "Oh, hey, Alex, how are you?" I was like, "What?" I was like, "Really? <laughs> We're at that point? Thanks, Cam. I'm doing well. How are you?" Um, and you no, know, I, I really appreciated that we had the chance to speak with him on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Recently, you can go hear that now. But of course, again, it's where things stand. And rest assured, this is not, by the way, technically part of our preseason preview for the 2022 college tennis dual match season we've yet to start our college contender series that'll start at the beginning of november we've got a bunch of other fun stuff planned for the year we went 45 50 ish minutes last time we're back up to hour 10 here this week finding our sea legs but of course this is not the only action happening across the tennis world indian wells daily recaps on the mini break ace of the day podcast here on the gsp feed of course you can find all the content on the website crackedrackets.com if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max Wigner and daniel westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out to as well to our friends at tennis point tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with that set for our fantastic co-host matt the cracks to chris halios for our super producers fligner and westoff and for all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin gentlemen what do we tell our listeners hey hey great shot great shot and we will see you all next time thanks everyone When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.